We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee, and we have an NFC Championship game to preview 49ers Rams Part 3 on Sunday. We will talk about that. We will do pick six. And after that, we're going to talk to former NFL player and broadcaster Solomon Wilcots and Dr. Kevin Stone of the Stone Clinic. Dr. Kevin Stone is the chairman of the Stone Research Foundation and author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Play Forever. It's a book about NFL injuries and avoiding injuries and how to keep players healthy, both while they're playing and after they play. Really interesting conversation with him and with Solomon Wilcots, who, of course, former Bengals, Vikings, and Steelers safety. He's been around the media forever. I mean, Sunday Night Football when is on ESPN. He's done CBS football telecast as a color commentator. He's done NFL Network stuff. He's been a PFF analyst. Well, now he's a host on Sirius XM NFL and a host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. So we get some really good insight on him on the conference championships. Dr. Kevin Stone provides a ton of good info. And the book there is Play Forever. You can get that at stoneclinic.com or Amazon. Dot com. That's a fun conversation, but so is our preview. So let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. having a hard time with this game Chris this game being the NFC championship game not not like Warriors Timberwolves uh <laughs> also I feel talk, like I feel like as a because I listen to podcasts like national podcasts and I think there's this idea with national like like from from a national media standpoint because when you're when you're national, you're not locked into every team. You kind of follow it, but you're not dialed in on a like acute level. And I think there's this notion that the Rams are better than the 49ers because they have a better quarterback. And even Kevin Clark, who is on our on our on our show that dropped on Thursday, check that out if you haven't, is a really good conversation. But he basically posits that the Rams just have a better roster than the 49ers top to bottom. And I feel like if you swap the quarterbacks, that position would change. And because of that, I'm having a hard time like picking this game because I think as a neutral observer, if I was at a 30,000 foot view, I would probably take the Rams because they have the better quarterback. But the 49ers have proven in 2019 and this year that that doesn't really matter. And I don't know if that's because I'm so close to it or because that's they're just playing. They're just the better. They're just the better overall team. Help th- me out. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we're going off a two game sample size, right? So that's that's relatively small by football standards. And it's a very meaningful sample size, of course, because it is the playoffs. But 
I think you're correct in pointing out that the Lions have an advantage. Sorry, the Lions. The Rams have an advantage. Um, I mean, <laughs> Matt Stafford played for the Lions once upon a time. Um, they have the advantage at quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But I think when you look at overall talent and and in terms of like number of dudes, like, I mean, you could you could go through the rosters and and nitpick, I think. But I think if you were to look at the very top end, I think they match up pretty well, right? You have Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel at receiver. You have George Kittle, who gives the 49ers an advantage because the Rams don't really have a guy like that. Um, Trent Williams is probably better than Andrew Whitworth, even though, you know, Whitworth's a good tackle, but I think you'd go Trent Williams there and they're both dealing with injuries right now. Um, when it comes to pass rush, like Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, you know, like that's Bosa's good, but he's not Aaron Donald. And, you know, is Eric Armstead, would you equate him to like Vaughn Miller just in terms of their ability to make plays at the, at these points in their careers? Probably. Um, I think it comes down to all the other stuff, right? Like I think nationally the conversation going into this week is, is very similar to what it's been going into the last two weeks in that the 49ers are underdogs. They're on the road. Um, they're going up against a team that has a better quarterback and, and that home team should win based on what happens on paper. But you can just go back and look through the Niners and Rams series that they've had the last three years and say well the Niners are 6-0 and the Niners absolutely had to have the game week 18 obviously where they came back from a 17 point deficit and won in overtime uh, just to make the playoffs and the Rams had all the motivation in the world for to or not all the motivation they had some motivation just to keep the 49ers out of the playoffs by winning that game to avoid the scenario that's happening right now right um so is is the quarterback thing a real does it really matter for the 49ers? Well, they, they make up for the quarterback issue or the, the the balance being tipped in the Rams' favor by having a better defense, right? By having a better running game. By you know, I think Kyle Shanahan is a better in-game coach than Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Kyle Shanahan's offense is more versatile than Sean McVay's. Yep. But the quarterback thing is real, particularly when you have to be worried about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing four or five interceptable passes a game, which is right. sort of what it feels like. Um, but do you trust Matt Stafford, right? This is his first NFC championship game. Jimmy Garoppolo, before he got to the 49ers, was on two Super Bowl winning teams in New England, right? right. And so he wasn't playing, obviously. Those were Tom Brady's teams. But I, I do think that matters, being in the situation, being – um, be, having to deal with the length of that season and the preparation that goes into these games, that stuff matters, even if you're not taking snaps. And I think that was one of the reasons why Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he didn't play particularly well, but it wasn't, it never felt like in covering the team in 2019, that like the moment was like, Oh man, the, it's playoff time. And Jimmy Garoppolo is scared of the lights like that. That was never really what it felt like. Right. He, didn't, he didn't play well in those playoffs, but it wasn't like, oh man, the stage is too big. Um, so you do wonder, like, how much do you trust the Rams? How much do you trust the team that blew a 27 to three lead last week that turned the ball over four times? Right. And you can mm-hmm. you can make a very similar case for the 49ers, particularly offensively, because the offense was a virtual now playing well. in Green Bay. But then you can also say, well, it was zero degrees. The Packers defense was playing really well. How much of it is on Jimmy Garoppolo that Lake and Tomlinson and Tom Compton were getting beaten for sacks and that George Kittle dropped a potential touchdown and Juwan Jennings dropped, you know, arguably Jimmy Garoppolo's best throw of the game. Um, you know, those are those are things that are real, too. And, and I just look at it like we see underdogs win in the playoffs all the time. Right. Conventional wisdom gets bucked in the NFL all the time, particularly when it comes to sort of mainstream narratives like how i'd have to go back through the numbers but i remember um you know underdogs do well in the super bowl just in general right and and Mm -hmm. i think um i think there's an element of human nature where it's like teams get a little bit comfortable and the rams probably aren't comfortable because they've lost six straight against the niners so they're not going into the game as like that comfortable underdog that can happen from time to time but you know i i so that that ultimately 
could could flip that dynamic on its head a little bit. But I, I do think the 49ers have a big advantage in this game, just in the sense that they had to go, you know, they, they've gone on the road now three, three straight weeks. Um, they've mm-hmm. been the underdog. They've gone against a better quarterback and they've won in vastly different ways in all three weeks. Right. Um, they, they jumped out, you know, or they fell behind big against the Rams. They jumped out to a big lead against Dallas. And then Green Bay was just sort of a really unique circumstance. And, and they pulled out the win in that one when it felt like they were going to lose pretty much the entire game. Um, so I think the Niners are battle tested and I think I trust them a little bit more based on all of those factors and ran. <laughs> this is what their offense has done since the, so they opened the playoffs like gangbusters, right? They go seven plays, 75 yards against Dallas to score a touchdown. Then they go field goal, field goal, field goal. And then end of half, here are their possessions in the playoffs on offense. Since then punt touchdown, a one play drive, 26 yards. That was a Debo rushing touchdown. So punt, touchdown, punt, interception, punt, 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 interception, field goal, punt, downs, field goal. Like, yikes. It's really hard to feel good about a team that has done that offensively since over their last six quarters. Yeah. And the thing is, is is Jimmy Garoppolo not playing great? Yes. And did the elements play a role in Green Bay? Almost certainly. But it wasn't like there's nothing abnormal that's happened where it's been like, okay, well, that'll get fixed. Like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo will just play better. Like, you can't chalk that up. You can't just be like, oh, well, Jimmy Jimmy will be better in in L.A. And, you know, maybe he will. He threw for 316 yards against him and, and had a really good second half in week 18. But if they fall down 17 to nothing again, are they mounting another comeback? That's that's where my concern lies. I mean, we just watched the Rams give up a 24-point lead. That's Tom Brady. <laughs> um, I mean, and so... The, and the fumble thing is variance. Like, not only do you have to drop the ball, but the other team has to recover it. I, I know. I'm, I'm just saying. Like, so... I'm of two minds, right? Like, it's, it's fair to be concerned about what Jimmy Garoppolo's looked like, particularly in the last two games, right? Because he hasn't been, um, he hasn't been nearly as efficient as he was during the regular season. And I'm looking at the numbers now, because I wrote about this for the B um, he's below seven yards per attempt. Uh, he's at 6.89 yards per attempt in the playoffs, um, 63 passer rating. And, you know, during the regular season, he was at 8.6 yards per attempt, which is, second in the NFL and his 98.7 passer rating was ninth. Like he's just not nearly as efficient and as productive as he's been. Now it is a smaller sample size, obviously. Right. And so you look at what he did in the Rams game in week 18, 23 of 32, 316 yards. Um, He threw two picks in that game that he also, that touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings was his last touchdown throw right um but it was 316 yards and i think we can say that jimmy that was jimmy garoppolo's best game of the season and maybe his best game as a 49er right just given the circumstances and given i I mean they were down seven with a minute 27 left and needed a touchdown to keep their season alive and yeah did that um so i think i think with with garoppolo and i don't want this to lead to a whole conversation I feel like moments get law get tied up in games because if you're taking the whole of that game, he was not very good. Like he wasn't great. I shouldn't say he was not very good. He was good, but he wasn't great. Well, yeah. But I mean, you Grace say it's relative. his best game, right? You say it's his best game as a 49er because he went and scored a touchdown with no timeouts in a minute 27 and went 88 yards. He has a great drive and he had a good second half, but I think he's yeah. had better games. That's all. Just nitpicking. It wasn't your point. Keep going. I mean, so going going back to the Atlanta game, right? He was over 10 yards of attempts. Against Tennessee, mm-hmm. he was at 9.2 yards per attempt. Against the Rams, right. he was at 9.88 yards per attempt. And he's been below seven in his last two games. So 
is is this a trend that's going to continue him struggling in the playoffs or is he going to snap back against a team that he's undefeated against like Jimmy Garoppolo has never mm-hmm. lost against the Rams mm-hmm. um, and his numbers you know aren't aren't particularly bad against the Rams so I, I tend to think that you know we're we're more likely to see a better Jimmy Garoppolo game particularly from an efficiency standpoint than we've seen the last sure. two weeks. I mean, the, the interceptions and the turnovers could still be there, of course, but I, I'm just, you know, I, I have a hard time like watching this team over the last three, four weeks and then being like, nah, they, they're not going to go in and, and potentially be better than, than a team they've already beaten. Right. Like I think, even though it didn't look great in Green Bay, I still think the Niners are a better team right now for everything they've gone through the last couple of weeks than even they were in Week 18. So if I were to pick, like if I were to pick the game, I would pick them um, because because of those factors. Because I just I, I really believe in the battle tested thing, and you know I've said it since since you know before that Rams game. Like this is a team that can lean on 2019 a little bit. They can lean on everything that they've gone through going back to 2018 when they lost Garoppolo for the season early on and how difficult of a season that was to 2020 where it was very similar. But, you know, you lose Nick Bosa and George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel and everybody else um, for a long time. So, like, they're battle-tested. They've been through it. Um, I trust the culture. I I do trust... Um, I do trust them to come out and play well. And especially against the Rams, I think it's a situation where you have to look at them pretty favorably. And then there's also the other stuff of like, is it going to be like 65, 75 or 70% Niners fans in the building? Yeah. Like, are the Rams going to have to go to the silent count the entire game? Like, is it, yeah, is it going to be a Niners home game? Yeah. Yeah. That stuff matters. So yeah, I mean, I I fully I understand why people pick the Rams. Like the Rams were the better team throughout the regular season, but keep in mind, like, you know, when I look at these 49ers, like I'm kind of throwing out the three and five start at this point because the team yeah. is so different. Yeah. And I think I put more credence in the fact that they're, you know, nine and two in their last eleven. Yeah. And I think I think now kind of going back on what I was just saying. I think if you kind of look at the whole picture and you you eliminate the quarterback situation, I think it's kind of easy to pick San Francisco. But when you start incorporating a red zone interception here and an intercepted deep ball there, and with Matthew Stafford, for the most part, playing really well in the two playoff games that's where it's hard to ignore the the quarterback situation. Like if the Rams put the 49ers in a spot where Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw it, I mean, he threw it, what, 31, 32 times in week 18? If he's doing that again, that's bad news for San Francisco. Because now you're banking on a, not just a not bad Jimmy Garoppolo game, you're banking on a good Jimmy Garoppolo game. And that's hard to do. Not saying it's impossible, because it is. We've seen him play well. And you said it, second half of week 18, he was excellent. But is is that something you want to bank on? If the Rams do come out and go up 14 or 17, nothing. Right. I just have questions. But I mean, it's it's completely fair. I had questions about are... Dallas. I had questions about Green Bay. Right. Like, nothing makes sense. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder about Sean McVay. I wonder about yeah. gassing his team up for the resiliency that they had after blowing that 24 point lead and nearly blowing the game because like, I mean, I know cameras are in there and everything, but man, if I'm coaching that team, I'm lighting into those dudes and I'm being like, we cannot do this shit next week. <laughs> You know, oh, I'm totally. Not, I'm, I'm totally. not like, I'm not like, oh man, that was so awesome. We survived. It was like, I, we almost lost because we gave the game away and that like, we cannot tolerate that shit. Well, and he was probably relieved though, because he had probably tightened up because he's watching Tom Brady do what Tom Brady's been doing since Sean McVay was in diapers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's not quite true. 
2015. <laughs> Since Sean McVay was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I just, you know, like for me, it's, it's how much do you trust Stafford and, and the Rams in a big spot? And sure. like, if they do get out to that big league, like you mentioned, like, do, are they going to be able to run the ball? Are they going to be able to salt the game right. and keep the Niners offense off the field? I don't, I don't necessarily know that. And honestly, like, I remember I, I didn't text it to you guys, but I wanted to, and I know we mentioned it, like you felt kind of okay with the Rams jumping ahead to a big lead, despite the fact that Sean McVay had never lost with the lead at halftime, just sort of based on what we what we've seen from that Rams team this year and the mental edge that I think the 49ers have, it was like, you know, it's, it's a three score game, but you don't feel like super worried about it. Like it doesn't feel right. insurmountable. Right. So, you know, that's, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating for sure. But I mean, I still think it's kind of crazy if the Rams are like, are favored by more than three points. It's three, it's fluctuating. I've seen it between three and three and a half. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's going to, there's going to be stories, I think coming out Sunday morning about, you know, all the ticket data and everything once all that stuff gets finalized, but I mean, if people thought it was that the based on the way it's looking and, and some of the things I'm reading, like there are gonna be a lot of Niners fans. I have a lot of friends going down there. Yeah, I do too. Shout out to everybody that's listening to this whilst driving to travel to San, to to SoCal, whether you're driving or heading to the airport to fly or flying. Yeah. Shout, Shout out, out to, to you guys traveling. Tweet us if you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I met some I met some uh, some cool people on the way back from Green Bay too who said they were going. Oh, right on. So, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you... uh... So are you picking the Rams? Is that your official pick? I think like I picked against the 49ers, the first two, and I feel like I'm going to run into one eventually. Like (laughs) I just, my, my philosophy when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm betting is if it was legal, my philosophy of I was betting would be in this state, if it was legal. Um, my philosophy would be pick the better quarterback. And I'm just going to do that because what the 49ers are trying to do going to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo twice is really hard. Um, do I have abundant faith in Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and the Rams? No. But given what we've seen in the 49ers offense the last couple of weeks, the last six quarters that that worries me a little bit even if the Niners defense is lights out again so it's been three straight weeks Niners have had the worst quarterback it's been probably a lot more weeks than that (laughs) well they I mean Trey Lance is better than Davis Mills that's a good point Jimmy and Tannehill's kind of become an interesting conversation Jimmy's better than Tannehill the Niners aren't here with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I, yeah, who knows? But I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm not super complimentary of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's better than Ryan Tannehill. I remember we we had the conversation with Joe Fan, and we were going through the AFC quarterbacks at the Niners because we we 
mentioned that like Jalen Hurts was the only quarterback the Niners had an advantage over at that position. Right. And then we went to the NFC, and I'm pretty sure Joe took Tannehill. That's the AFC. And well, yeah, we were talking about the AFC. We the conversation moved to the AFC. Oh, right, right, right. Got it, got it, got it. And like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think now you probably view him in a different light than Tannehill. Yes, for sure. Right. Because Tannehill made the Jimmy Garoppolo game mistake, like one time a game mistake, three times. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy's interesting. I I wrote a column, and you can check it out on the B by the time this podcast comes out, about just how Jimmy Garoppolo is confounding. I mean, he's confounding in a lot of different ways, but the two truths about Jimmy Garoppolo right now are that intangibly and emotionally and all of those things you talk about with culture and whatnot, like Jimmy Garoppolo is an indispensable member of the 49ers, Mm -hmm. which is true at the same time they're winning despite him over the last two weeks. Right. And it's a very, it's, it's just a very unique situation, but sort of everything about this playoff run has felt unique, which is why it seems fitting. And you do wonder now, like, all right, is Jimmy Garoppolo, is it going to, is there going to be a reversion to what we saw more during the regular season when Garoppolo was a more efficient player and at least moving the ball better than he did in green Bay. Um, And I think that seems like a legit possibility because look like, yeah. Kyle Shanahan knows how to attack the Rams. Yes. Yes. So I want to be clear. I'm picking the Rams for the sake of this podcast. I'm not going to go bet on the Rams. (laughs) That would be an insane thing to do. The Niners have won six in a row for a reason. But given what we've seen from their quarterback the last couple weeks, I have concerns. That's all. Did you listen to what Kyle Shanahan said today? No. So he was asked uh, by a friend of the pod, Tim Kawakami, about um, Sean McVay getting asked if Kyle Shanahan was in Sean McVay's head. And Kyle Shanahan was like, I, I, I did think see this. Yeah, I think that's giving the players or give it, that's giving the coaches too much credit. Right. Because ultimately it's really about the players. And I think it was a good point and not something I had really thought about um, going in, going into the game. But I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, you want to talk about rosters and like who has a better roster. It's like, well, one roster is six and against the other roster. Sure. You that's know? what, like I said, I think I, I, I talked about this, I think in our post game pod, but you kind of have to separate the 49ers into a different category when evaluating them as an NFL team. Because like I said, my focus is so heavily on the quarterback, but like the 49ers have found a way around that. And I guess I'm picking the Rams because more things have to go right for the 49ers. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Man, I don't see, I don't know. Like the more I talk about it, the more I try and justify it, the more I feel worse about the pick. You know, like <laughs> I I'm sit it's like wow, it's basically gonna be a Niner home game. They've won six in a row. They have a bunch of guys who have been in this position before. <laughs> right. I mean that that's that's what it is for me. It's like it's looking at the game, it's like the winning streak, the fact that the 49ers, like what the last three weeks have looked like specifically. Right. Like it it mm-hmm. feels very much like there's just they they know how to win They're They know how to handle this spot. And I think they're, they're kind of the bully going in and like, it's tough to, if you're a Rams team, that's us six straight. And Matt Stafford was the guy that you got to beat the Niners and he hasn't done it yet mm-hmm. after two shots this season, like two of the biggest wins for the 49ers this year. Unequivocally, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Save their season and save their season again. <laughs> right. The Niners saved their season twice against the Rams already. So it's hard for me to look at that and then be like, yeah, the Rams got this. Right. So, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I also think the best player in the game might be Debo. Like, and and that could be. Okay. That, that could okay. be, that could neutralize the quarterback. I don't know why that threw me for such a loop. like i think i wanted to say i think i wanted to say no but then i wanted to say like well obviously yes but yeah i think that's right it's just i think they need to get debo more involved as a pass catcher i i would agree 
it's just so unique to like i know we we've mentioned it before but like i i just cannot it's hard for me to wrap my head around like all right third and eight we got to go win this game let's hand it off to a receiver right Right. i mean it's just mind-blowing so you, you do wonder like are the rams going to say all right we're not letting debo samuel beat us and every time he's in the backfield they're just they have all eyes on debo and then does it turn into okay now this guy's open over the top like right. does, does debo samuel become more of a decoy right in some situations decoy samuel <laughs> um i keep i i've honestly i've been waiting for that play action stuff to debo decoy stuff to debo like i've been waiting on it oh i thought you because... meant you were waiting to say decoy samuel no 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 <laughs> uh stupid shit like that just pops into my head okay. um i i Part of me wants to, like you say, the Rams are going to key on Debo Samuel. I think every team has been keying on Debo Samuel for like 10 weeks. And I'm not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, it just hasn't too. mattered. So yeah, they might do that. And it might free up some lanes for George Kittle and, and Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings, uh, who all had at least, at least Jennings and, and Ayuk had huge games in week 18. But I, I still think Debo Samuel is going to have an impact whether it's oh, yeah. a big run or a big conversion, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do try and use him more as a pass catcher, just because that, that part of his game has kind of gone by the wayside has become more of an effective runner. And you could totally see like third and six game on the line, you know, Niners need a first town to make sure that the Rams don't get the ball back in a one score game. Debo's in the backfield and then they do like play action to Debo and then Juwan Jennings is wide open somewhere. Sure. Right. right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been wait- I've legit been waiting on that. And I guess we kind of saw it against the Rams too, where they did the pass with Debo. Yeah. Because yeah, they saw the, the way thing. they yeah. saw the way Jalen Ramsey was playing that run and crashing down and then and Juwan Jennings slipped behind him. I think they I think we see even more of that. Um and at, like at some point you have to put it in your quarterback's hands. Like I don't think this is gonna be a 42, 43 carry game where they average four and a half or five yards an attempt and just kind of run all over LA. They're gonna they're going to need Jimmy Garoppolo. I think my my go-to number is three to five. It wouldn't surprise me if it's like six to eight throws he's gotta make. Like like have to have him type of throws. George Kittle hasn't had like what I would classify as like a big George Kittle game since December. Yeah, the Seahawks. I mean, he had a good game against. He had a good game against the Bengals. Yeah, Atlanta. The so the Bengals game, he had 13 catches for 151 yards and like a couple of huge catches in that one. Um, The next week in Atlanta, six catches, 93 yards, 21, 29, 10, 18. He had 63 yards last week in Green Bay. Like that playoff career high. Yeah, I mean. George, the the antidote to teams overloading up on Debo feels like a George Kittle game, or potentially a Brandon Ayuk game, right? Like we haven't had a real Brandon Ayuk game in a while too since Week 18 when he had 107 receiving yards. Right. So when this offense is going well, they're really hard to stop. Yeah, it's just can Jimmy Garoppolo make the throws when those guys are wide open? I think the Niners' offense execute executes at a higher level than the Rams. I think they block better than the Rams. I think the Niners have a big time advantage when it comes to their pass rush against the Rams offense. Um, I think the Niners overall, when you look at, when you factor in Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle, I think the Niners have better skill position guys. The only Mm -hmm. spot when you're comparing the offenses that I think the Rams have the advantage is quarterback. Mm -hmm. So it's quarterback versus everybody else and i think shanahan is a better play caller and offensive designer than mcveigh although that's a very tight you know that's 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 not like super lopsided in terms of that matchup yeah mostly a wash i think yeah don't give the coaches too much credit (laughs) right don't give the coaches too much credit i do i if you're worried you're like all right do the 49ers screw up a bunch of like fourth and ones and fourth and twos? Cause that's right. kind of Kyle Shanahan's kryptonite. I feel like. Right. Yeah. Fourth and one at the 47. That's right. the, yeah. I don't know. I'm picking the Rams, but 
I don't have a great reason as to why. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's odd to feel. I mean, I, I the how things go in the NFL is normally the other way, like a way the opposite direction of what you expect. And all the logic is pointing to the 49ers. So for me in my head, if if there's a reason that the Rams win, it's because of the human nature element and the Niners just coming in, I guess, overconfident or just not as mindful of the details as they need to be Mm -hmm. because they think they have the mental edge over the Rams. Like that to me is the most, is the case for the Rams winning is like, because everything else it's like, well, we've seen it six straight times. Right. So you want to get to pick six? Let's do it. Uh, we might be changing the bit next week if the 49ers win. And we will be changing the bit next week. If the we will be changing the bit if the 49ers win. We have a new and name. We have a new... A new process. Yeah, a new, like, a new point. And we've rebranded it. Yeah. Rebranded. It's a similar concept, but the focus is going to be different. Um, but we're holding it off until next week because, uh, I mean, there might be a little fan engagement in this one too, or listeners, yeah. I should say. Yeah. So some added motivation for the 49ers this week, because if they win, yeah, we'll get a rebranded pick six. Okay. Tyler with a thing. Oh, we're going to need a new thing. We're going to need a new... Yeah, we'll we'll get Tyler on that. He'll handle it. Need a new sounder. Not a sounder, but an open. That's what that's called in the biz, an open. Okay, pick six <laughs> for the final time until we rebrand the bit, either for Super Bowl week or week one next year. Or the um, preseason? Is it going to be a no preseason, preseason pick six? <laughs> the hell out of here with preseason pick six. <laughs> it's content um, <laughs> it totally. might be the preseason, but it's still content season. First pick, I'm taking Corey Sheets. <laughs> Give me Cassius Marsh oh, and man. Marcus Rush. Oh, Marcus Rush. That was the name I was looking for. Okay. <laughs> Who picks I pick first? three players. Chris picks three players. And that's where the bit gets its name. These are the players we think need to have an impact or will have an impact for the 49ers on Sunday. You pick first. I pick first. Yeah. Um, well, I've been gassing up Debo so much over these last few weeks that I feel like it would be irresponsible if I didn't pick him first. It would be dumb. Given his importance to the team, it, Like he has to be the first pick. He's also had a lot of his best games against the Rams. Yeah, he kind of owns them. So I just don't think they're ready for a player with his mindset. Like I just don't think they, like, they're built different. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's kind of a neutralizer, right? Because it's not like a traditional receiver cornerback matchup when Debo Samuel and Jalen Ramsey play. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's it. you can take that matchup and be like, yeah, we're still going to give Debo the ball. You can have Jalen Ramsey lined up right over him and like he's still going to run through dudes and maybe Jalen Ramsey gets blocked by somebody like it's it's not like. The Niners are solely dependent on Debo in the passing game to where Jalen Ramsey can even shut him down and prevent him from getting touches. That's just not part of the, this equation, which is what, again, what makes Debo so unique. So, yeah, at least, okay, over under one and a half touchdowns for Debo. Under. Okay, big Rams guy. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why <laughs> when I make my pick. Okay, go ahead. Make your pick. I'm going under one and a half Debo Samuel touchdowns because I believe my first pick is going to be more heavily involved, and that's tight end George Kittle. Kittle has basically been a non-factor for the 49ers, and I know he had a couple of big catches in Green Bay, but like you said, he has not had that that 10 catch, 115 yard, one touchdown game, one or two touchdown game in in several weeks, and it feels like one's coming. Nearly had one against Green Bay and, and probably would have had he not dropped that pass over the middle early on. But I just really think that 
like when when the Rams are game planning, like man, Brandon Ayuk went off last last time, and Jawan Jennings went off last time, and okay, Debo Samuel, you know, they're gonna run it with Elijah Mitchell. Like George Kittle is is going to be open, and I think he's going to make plays, and I think George Kittle is going to get a touchdown this week. So give me George Kittle number two overall to have a quote unquote George Kittle game. I like it. Um, since it's a big game, I just feel like I got to go chalk. Uh, it's going to be Nick Bosa because he's coming off a very strong performance with two sacks against the Packers. Um, mm-hmm. The Niners pass rush been running some numbers for a, uh, for a piece that's going me, to run. Let me pause you real quick because yeah. my pick is going to lump in with this. So I'm picking Eric Armstead fourth. Okay. Continue. And we will just talk about Bose and Armstead. Okay. So during the regular season, the Niners had, a, had 24 sacks in the first 11 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the final six games of the regular season, they had 24 sacks. Jesus. So almost doubled their production in terms of sacks. Uh, in two postseason games, the Niners have 10 sacks. So they've had five sacks a game, which is a lot. That's a lot of sacks. Um, so I just, and I, I asked D'Amico Ryans about it today, and I spoke with Eric Armstead about it, and, and I asked Nick Bosa about it, and it was like uh, the, the key point in what's changed with the pass rush is just how well the 49ers have started to coalesce as a front that utilizes a lot of two-man games and stunts mm-hmm. and twists and all of those things. And that's all stuff that's execution-based and sort of built on like chemistry and just like reps, right? Like naturally, as the season goes, you build chemistry, you develop timing, um, you have an understanding of how you want to attack certain looks, you have a better understanding of personnel, particularly when you play against a Rams team for a second time like they did in 2018 or in, in week 18, um, and now they're playing the Rams for a third time. Like this, this feels like a game with Andrew Whitworth bang, banged up with Rob Havenstein, not really being somebody that I think Nick is not a great to player. stonewall Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a big Bosa game. And I think the same is true for your pick, um, Mr. Yep. Armstead. Uh, teams are just trying to, teams are trying to block him one-on-one with guards. And that's just not going to work. You're not going to, Eric Armstead is too big and too strong and too athletic and playing too well to just throw a guard on him and say, go to work. And if you want to try and double him, now you're letting Arden Key or Samson Ebukam or Nick Bosa run free and you just can't do that. And so I'm expecting, I don't think it's a coincidence that Eric Armstead has been playing as well as he has as the pass rush as a whole has started to come together. And I just think that he's locked in on a level that he's never been locked in on before. And I think we're going to really see why the 49ers paid him big money. Like we've already seen it over the last few games. And I think it continues on Sunday. Yeah. So spoiler alert, I'm writing about Armstead again for Sunday as part of this whole um, pass rush discussion. And like, one thing that Kyle Shanahan said, and this isn't necessarily about the pass rush, but he said, the 49ers line Armstead up all over the defensive line because there are certain alignments against certain teams where he can take away specific running plays that are like their bread and butter. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's like pretty unique also. That's he's the a, kind of a good unsung player. stuff that, you yeah. know, come, come Monday or Sunday night, like when we talk about Eric Armstead, when we go back over these, like I'm going to try real hard to pay attention to what he does in the run game because that's the kind of stuff that just gets overlooked. Yeah. Uh, so it's my pick. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to go. It's not super hipster, I guess, at this point. I'm going back to the Juwan Jennings well. I like it. Um, like we said earlier, like if there's a key play in the game and everybody's focused on slowing down Debo Samuel and or George Kittle, then that's going to be an opportunity for someone like Juwan Jennings to potentially spring open. Um, And he did it with two touchdowns, including the biggest one of the season when the 49ers Mm -hmm. tied the Rams at at the end of that week 18 game. So uh, if Juwan Jennings had another big game, it it wouldn't really surprise me because I I think the Rams rightfully so are going to be so are, are going to be focused on stopping Debo and Kittle. 
And I think that Juwan Jennings could have a big game without like going for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Like remember the Saints game, Kendrick Bourne in that game had three catches for 18 yards and two touchdowns. And his third catch was a third and six first down, uh, third down conversion. Right. So I could see Jennings having that type of game where maybe the numbers aren't eye popping, but his two or three or four catches are all super crucial. Yep. So I really like that pick six pick. I'm going to give myself three out of five beanies for the hipster uh, (laughs) on this one. And I feel like we would be doing the special teams and coach Hightower a huge (laughs) disservice. If we did not pick Robbie gold. Okay. Who has not missed a field goal in his playoff career. And now he's going to miss one because I just jinxed him. But um, if this game is going to come down to a field goal again, and the Niners have to trot Robbie gold out, you're feeling really good about it. Um, If their offense is stalling out in the red zone and they have to bring on Robbie gold for three or four field goals, they're probably going to need those to stay in the game. So I think having a reliable kicker is a super underrated thing, especially this time of year. And the 49ers have one. And I expect him to be cash money on Sunday. Robbie Gold. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to our guy, Tabor Pepper, 10 and 2. Tabes. Keep keeping it locked. <laughs> um, so I like first it. Pick, so, yeah. You went Debo. Then I went Kittle. You went Nick Bosa. I went Eric Armstead, then you went Jawan Jennings, and I went Robbie Gold. I like that I have all three phases represented. I should have, yeah, that was that was nicely done by you. Thanks. If I had a set uh, fourth pick, I would have taken Garoppolo. Man, Eli Mitchell just getting left in the dust. Nick Wagner, friend of the pod, our favorite cast member, is going to be very very upset that his guy Jaw didn't get any love. Well, we had we gave Nick an opportunity to come on the pod tonight. Um, something came up and he didn't. But I left Elijah Mitchell out because I know Nick would have taken him. It's a great point. So yeah. that's that's just that's the kind of bit. you know the kind of friend I am. <laughs> that's man, you're so you're so cool. <laughs> you're just so damn cool. Such a good guy. All right, let's. That's that's our NFC Championship preview. And we will at some point be back after either a 49ers win to discuss the Super Bowl, which would be insane. Or we'll discuss the NFC Championship game first. Oh, yeah, that too. And then potentially. But I'm assuming the Super Bowl will come up. It will Uh, come up, yeah. (laughs) But let's let's real quick, before, before we send you on your way, let's talk to Dr. Kevin Stone. And Solomon Wilcott's a little bit more NFC championship talk in there. Solomon Wilcott's has been around the game for a long time and had some pretty interesting insight on uh, the 49ers and how they're playing. Let's get into that. All right. We're joined now by Dr. Kevin Stone, the author of Play Forever, and Solomon Wilcott's, who hosts the Believe in Bengals podcast, uh, former NFL defensive back. Uh, really excited to have you guys. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. I know this is kind of a busy week for everybody with uh, championship games coming up. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Great. Yeah, of course. Uh, Dr. Stone, want to start with you. Uh, you're the author of the book Play Forever. Can you just kind of give us a, I mean, I don't want you to, you know, you don't have to read the book to us, but what's the, what's the, what's the gist of, of this book? Because playing forever sounds like a, like a, like a great idea. Well, there's two parts to it. One is for the athletes who, you know, why does it take a year to come back from an ACL injury? So how do we accelerate healing for athletes? Number one. The second part of it is how do you prevent from getting arthritis? You know, 50% of the people who tear their ACL will develop arthritis in 10 years. So, you know, as I like to say, cancer may kill you, but arthritis ruins your life. And for all of our athletes who we want to play forever to play and drop dead at age 100 playing the sport they love, we've got to be able to cure arthritis in order for them to be able to do that. So I'm curious in in terms of uh, like, stopping off arthritis and, and getting guys to come back after they make their full recovery. How, how common is it for guys to deal with arthritis in that first season back? And, and is it something that, y- you know, you can break through, like maybe, you know, I, I'm asking in the context of Nick Bosa coming back from, from his injury, obviously, and, and playing at a high level this season. Like, is it, is that something that uh, a, an ACL patient is, is conscious of all season in terms of, 
the the arthritis and everything like that? Or just what's what's that process like maybe to uh, if you were to explain it to a layman? Sure. So there's two groups. First, there's the young guys like Nick who tear their ACL, they get it repaired. And these days, we always had stem cells and growth factors to speed up their recovery, which is why he comes back so much sooner. They don't really worry about arthritis. It's not going to affect them right off the bat. It's going to happen years down the line. Then you have the old guys like Solomon here on our show today. You know, he's played for a long career. So early in his career, he may get injured. But later in his career, he's trying to play through that arthritic pain, trying to keep going, trying to be the rock star that he is and was. And those guys need treatment and they need to be able to keep playing. And so we're developing all these tools for adding growth factors and lubrication to their joints repairing and replacing their meniscus cartilages as soon as they tear them, rebuilding those ACLs in novel ways. The whole field of regenerative medicine that I wrote this book, Play Forever, about, and if people want to find out more about it, read that book or come see us at at Stone Clinic. This whole field is around how do we keep people playing during their career, excelling, but also playing long after their career is over. I want to transition a minute to to the football games this weekend, but one of the players playing in that in in the 49ers Rams game is is Cam Akers, running back who tore his Achilles in July. And from what I understand, an Achilles injury is you're out for a while. He comes back in five and a half months. Is that the direction we're heading with these major injuries? Like we're we're gonna see guys coming back in a matter of a couple a couple months instead of you know a full year? Absolutely. And that's happening because the repair technique's better. They're getting Stem cells growth factors or growth factors that recruit their body's own stem cells to the site of injury. And we're learning how to accelerate healing. So yes, that's what you're seeing. And what you should also expect is we're trying to work with these athletes to have them come back, as we say, fitter, faster, and stronger than they were before they got hurt. So we use that relative downtime to train all the rest of their body and to really optimize their return. So you're going to see more and more of these guys coming back in that first year after these injuries that we used to think were career ending, certainly season ending and used to be career ending. Man. So Solomon, I want to, want to get to the Niners and specifically their defense, since that's your, your area of expertise here, just, you know, obviously the pass rush five sacks in the last two games has, has been the major story, but something that's sort of happened throughout the season is that the secondary has gotten a lot better, particularly at cornerback, where going into the season, it didn't really seem like that would be a strength of theirs. So when you watch the 49ers play defensively, what stands out uh, about them to you? And and what do you think is going to give them the best chance to to beat the Rams again on Sunday? Well, uh, clearly the San Francisco 49ers are um, among uh, one of the best coached football teams in the National Football League. They do a better job are as good a job of any team in the National Football League of leveraging uh, the talent that they have, developing the talent uh, that they have. And you could see that because it's a team that despite having multiple injuries at a number of different positions, really for the better part of over the last two years, they've been one of the teams that's dealt with more injuries at more positions than any other team, but they've still been able to develop talent um, at multiple positions on um, whether the storm of adversity that typically would have you losing some of your best and most talented players like a Nick Bosa being out um, and then, uh, you know, other players as well, but still able to go out and win football games, even though their quarterback say Jimmy Garoppolo is dealing with a fractured bone in his thumb. He's dealing with an injured shoulder um, or uh, injury to his throwing hand they can leverage the running game and use maybe a Debo Samuels in multiple ways, right? Not just as a running back, but as a wide receiver, George Kittle, who's got a tremendous ability to catch the ball down the field or catch and run with it. They're also able to leverage his talents for blocking and setting um, the line of scrimmage to get the runners to the second level of the defense. So they are as good as any team in the national football league at developing players during the first quarter of the season, the midway point of the season, then as you get into the second half of the season, as we sit here now, they've won nine of their last 11 games. And most people will tell you that even last week, they weren't the most talented team on the field against the Green Bay Packers, but they certainly were the best coach, finding a pathway to victory, even if it was through usage of the special teams, right? And that's, I think, a clear example of how well coached they are, and obviously we can go player by player and talk about how they developed over the course of the season. 
Can you sustainably win in the NFL in 2021, 2022, when you go into games, specifically playoff games, consistently with the worst of the two quarterbacks? I think I think they've proven it. That's how they went to Super Bowl two years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. And they were just one throw away from winning it against the Superman of quarterbacks and, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, and now they find themselves two years later, just one game away from, from going to the Super Bowl. And Garoppolo hasn't played particularly well in their two playoff wins, um, but he's played well enough not to lose. And sometimes at the quarterback position, all you got to do is uh, don't make the critical errors at the most critical moments in the game. And you'll be surprised at how you can survive if you lean on other elements of the team. Remember, it's a team game, not a one-man game. And that's what you saw with the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. You had one quarterback who was sacked nine times, another quarterback that threw three interceptions. What's the lesser of those two evils? It's clearly giving the ball over to the other team. Right. And so in, 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 in Joe Burrow's case, it was not losing the game, right? Um, security comes from protecting the football. And even though he was getting sacked, in some cases taking sacks, he, he made it a, a, a really point to protect the football. And I think we find that when you're playing up against really good teams, sometimes you have to rely on the greater portion of the team as opposed to just relying on the quarterback. And nobody knows that better than Kyle Shanahan. So I want to get back to, to Dr. Stone with, with a question about Jimmy Garoppolo and his health, given that, you know, it's an avulsion fracture. It's a, you know, torn UCL, a, a torn ligament in his thumb. He's playing through it. He's still got the, the black tape on there. Just, you know, in, in your estimation, like how much pain is he is he going through? And, and is this particularly impressive that, I mean, it doesn't seem like he's all too affected by it in terms of the way the ball is coming out of his hand, at least on most of his throws. Like what? What's your opinion on just what what Jimmy Garoppolo is going through at this moment and, and how much he has to overcome in terms of this injury? A lot of people will be able to identify with that injury because it's the number one most common injury in skiing. So you fall skiing, your outstretched hand, if you're unfortunate enough to have your ski pole strap on, your hand's going to be out and you're going to tear that ligament. And so it's a fairly common injury. People notice that instability more than pain. So if they can tape it well, which they obviously have done, you can really handle that, that discomfort pretty easily. So I would, I would look more for, uh, you know, velocity on the ball, spin, all the things that we look for in terms of control rather than pain. Uh, Solomon, real quick, you, you brought up the Bengals, uh, and I know you're a Bengals guy. Are they going to upset the Chiefs? It feels like they might upset the Chiefs. It's a good question. Thanks. Most people, they, they ask that question almost with their own answer, right? They're very close to understanding that this is a, an impossible task. But the Bengals did beat the Kansas City Chiefs just a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, many of us are sort of the products of recency bias. You know, we, we tend to lean on the, to the things that we've seen most recent. And what do we see most recent for Patrick Mahomes? That even 13 seconds is, is too much time left on the clock if you give him the football and that he can score points in a hurry. And I think that tends to be true. But you go back to week 17, the Bengals did beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That was in Cincinnati. It was at Paul Brown Stadium. But Joe Burrow was spectacular. Had over 400 yards passing against that same Chiefs defense that was laced by Josh Allen. Um, and so the 400 yards passing, four touchdown passes from Joe Burrow, I don't think that's a fluke. I think that's something that's sustainable against the Chiefs defense that could be without Tyron Matthew. What you saw Gabriel Davis do to that defense, Jamar Chase had already done it, over 200 mm -hmm. yards receiving, 266 to be exact, to set a rookie single-game record against the Chiefs in Week 17. He had touchdown passes, three of them, by the way, of 76 yards, 18, and 69 yards. He really took it to that Kansas City Chiefs defense, and I don't think that the Bengals enter this game in any way, shape, or form in awe of the Kansas City Chiefs. Healthy respect, knowing that it's their fourth consecutive AFC title game, but mm -hmm. I think they played well enough to go. It's kind of like fighting a bully, right? You stand up to him after school on the playground, and you find out that, you know, the bully can bleed. Remember the Rocky 
movie, <laughs> you know, yep. um, I think you come away understanding that, yeah, we, we can beat this team. We can win this game. And really that's all that matters. That matter what I think or anyone else think it's the man in the arena, right? If he believes he has a shot of winning and he puts his best effort forward, then, you know, maybe he does have a shot of winning. So Dr. Stone, an- another injury question, because one that I think is going to be important to watch throughout this week and going into Sunday is Trent Williams. And it seems like he's going to play. Kyle Shanahan said he expects him to play and that Trent Williams wants to play. Well, this is sort of a similar question I asked about Garoppolo in the, in the sense of like, what's it like to go through playing a football game, particularly on an artificial surface, potentially with, with an ankle sprain. It doesn't sound like it's a high ankle sprain. It sounds like it's a low ankle sprain, but for a, for a big guy who's 300 and what, 30 plus pounds, what, what, what type of, what type of issue is that to, to deal with, you know, an ankle sprain on that type of surface? The reality is in these settings, what we see in athletes is a huge brain body dissociation. So they may have an unstable ankle, but they've got a heck of a lot of tape on it. And they have one determination to play that game and play that game well. And so I think you see in these great athletes and that determination overwhelms the deficit and ankles, you know, a significant proportion of the players in any given game have got an ankle that's a little bit tweaked. So I wouldn't look to see that as a big deficit. I want to piggyback off that real quick. The Niners are going to go from playing in zero degree wind chill in Green Bay to playing in, I'm sure it's going to be high 60s down in Southern California. Does weather have any kind of impact on on injuries at all? It does. You know, if you're cold, you're stiff. And so, so much of what we do with athletes, uh, certainly in the skiing world and, and, and in football too, in every sport is really warming up. And the warmer you are, the more flexible you are, the better you're stretched the less likely you are to pull that muscle and pull that tissue. So warm-up matters, and you see the better athletes really taking their time in that stretching and warm-up phase, and you see other people who just tend to ignore it, and unfortunately they're more injury-prone. I'd like to go ahead and add this. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a doctor, Mm -hmm. but a former player who's played (laughs) in the NFL and played in some very cold games. Um, Playing at those extreme temperatures, it takes a lot out of you physically. And that's why you saw Adebo Samuels literally limping off the field. You saw that with Trent Williams limping off the field. Another thing, and if you compound that with the fact that this will be the 49ers' fourth consecutive road game, we know that bodies, athletes, all people, right, that we tend to dehydrate at altitude. And so that's another uh, factor when you talk about um, the extreme conditions in which uh, the 49ers have had to endure for the last month. This will be their fourth consecutive uh, road game. And while it will be in warmer weather, um, there is some residual wear and tear when you talk about having to play on the road, constantly being on flight. And then that uh, dehydration, um, it can really take its toll on the human body as well. And that's why you see Kyle Shanahan stressing with his players, Let's get off our feet. Let's get our rest. Um, and I, I would bet that Trent Williams can practice, but Kyle Shanahan knows that just to, particularly for bigger men, keep him off his feet, allow him to get his legs up under him. Hydration is going to be critical. And certainly recovery after playing in those extreme temperatures, I think are going to be vitally important for the 49ers. I think we ought to give a, an award to Dr. Wilcox because he's getting nailed it on the hydration. <laughs> That's outstanding. I'm a bit, I'm a big, big hydration fan. Oh, he is the yeah. water king. Just smart every episode, man. Smart man. Trying well, to wrap listen, up a point, he's taking a swig. Every cell in your body <laughs> works better with water. So your brain works better hydrated. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you you haven't drunk anything all night, you might have had coffee or alcohol before you went to bed, you're dry. Every tissue in the body is more elastic. The brain works better. The kidneys work better. The muscles work better. So pound that water. <laughs> I love it. Thank, thank you for saying that. I, I've been battling Kyle <laughs> on this issue for a while. No, <laughs> you, you don't battle me on it. It's fine. He, he makes I fun of me for I being I just don't drink as much water. Yeah, that's all. Um, well, so Solomon, I, I, I want to get you guys out of here on this. Solomon, like, what's what are you looking for in this game? What's going to be sort of the the defining uh, the, the defining thing for this game and, and um, who do you think comes out on top between Niners and Rams? What we do know about the 49ers is that they can come from behind and win games. We saw them what they were down with 17, nothing against 
uh, the Rams week 18, the final regular season game that catapulted them into the postseason. Um, and then we've seen them come from behind against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers went right down the field um, last week on their very first possession, scored a touchdown. And I think the 49ers know that they can win in multiple ways. Their run game is going to be vitally important. Their receivers creating what we call yards after the catch. They can have a shortened passing game, but because George Kittle is so good at breaking tackles, Debo Samuel is so good at breaking tamble, uh, tackles, um, they know that they can throw the short passes and still create big plays within the offense. I think defensively it's going to be very important for them to put pressure early and often on Matthew Stafford. I think they have, what, seven sacks in the two games uh, that they played against Matthew Stafford this season, 21 pressures in those two games. Um, so they're accustomed to getting to the quarterback, um, and they're going to have to be able to do that. I think on the back end and the secondary, holding up against Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. and Van Jefferson, I think that's going to be really important. You can't give them the big plays. That's the reason why they were able to win in Week 18. All of that is going to have to hold true the third time. I say that because it's so hard to beat an NFL team three times in a given season. It's been done before. It just isn't done often. That's Sullen Wilcox. You can hear him on Sirius XM NFL Radio. He's a host of Believe in Bengals podcast. Dr. Stone of the Stone Clinic. The book is Play Forever. You can purchase that at stoneclinic.com or on amazon.com. Guys, we appreciate your time immensely. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you guys for having Good us. Talking. We appreciate it. Yep, stay hydrated. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>